0: So, Stuart, now we'll maybe talk, we've covered a lot of your journey up to this point. We've talked about some of the clients you've had. And so far, it's been fascinating, predominantly bodybuilding. Mm. We'll also talk about some of the other aspects, things you've done. But maybe now we'll talk a little bit about steroids. Now, for me, this is quite an important part of this interview. And I'm going to do something I've never done before, which is I've told people I've taken steroids, but I've never discussed in detail what. Or when. So I'm gonna do that. And I took steroids probably for a good 10-year period, maybe longer. And I took them, I started doing MMA for a while and did had a couple of cage fights and started taking steroids before that. I also I think it's really good to talk about stuff like this because what's the point in pretending it was different? I can't change it. It's already happened. Surely it's better to talk about it and we can learn from it, you mm. know? And as I talk about it, maybe you can tell us some of the pros and cons of some of the, the things that I did, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, if I was doing steroids, I'd initially started off, most people do with an oral steroid, and I started off with like Dianabol or Anabol. And, and these are tablets, but they're what they call hypertopsic, They they pass through your liver twice, and they're very mm. bad for you and all that. But that was just the precursor to then the injectables. So you'd start off with the oral. That was the beginning of your cycle. And then i go into decanandrolone sustenance or Deca stack, they'd call it, you know, mm. and that was very common. Mm. And there were variations on that, but generally that was it. And then at the, towards the end of the cycle, you'd be taking a cutting steroid, which was usually sort of trembolone, Trenacetate, mm. something along these lines. Mm. Different steroids, some are oil-based, some are water-based, some that you inject once a week, some you inject three times a mm. week. I also took growth, which you inject into your stomach, under the skin, in at the same time as doing the steroids. Mm. But then I also, at the end of that cycle... During the cycle, i have taking tamoxifen, which is a drug that you take to stop yourself getting what men would call bitch tits, where you can have builds up of oestrogen, I think, and you end mm. up with growths on your nipples and things. Mm. And then at the end, you'd have sort of clembuterol, which is something that basically hopefully switches the natural production of steroids, testosterone, sorry, hopefully switches the natural production of testosterone in your body back on again. Mm. Now, I could be wrong about some of that, but that was because mm. I didn't learn this from a doctor. I wasn't, no. you know, this is gym talk or what you, there's this a is term the you use, bro something. Bro science, yeah. Bro science. And That's this the was, problem with it. Yeah. It's it's other guys who take steroids mm. telling me what things yeah. do, what you should take with mm. what, listening to that. And, yeah. and I always, obviously you should cycle. So you're on yeah. for three months, off for three months, mm. on for three. I didn't always do that either. So... Mm. That's my experience of steroids. Now, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of flaws with that. And being yeah. a man that's qualified and you've written the book about it, so not yeah. only have you experienced in the bodybuilding world and so you, you know about these things with, you know, what you've seen, yeah. but also with what you've learned and you're qualified with the body. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do we start with that? And how bad is that, what I did?
1: Well, um, I mean, it, it, it's, the thing is, a lot, it, there's a lot of misconceptions, actually. Um, and this, again, is through bro science, you know. Yeah. Uh, so if I can pick out a few things in yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be good. Yes. Um,
0: and this is maybe, this might benefit. There's going to be other young lads. When I was doing it, it yeah. was quite common. Mm. 20 years ago, it wasn't as common. Now, I know if I go in a gym, yeah, 75% of the young lads, they're, they're all on steroids.
1: Yeah, They're all right. taking steroids. That's and
0: right. It'd be good maybe to have this chat because maybe I don't want anybody to take steroids. I encourage anybody to do it, but maybe... It will prevent some people making some of the mistakes that I
1: did. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is that um, hepatotoxicity, which you mentioned, about this, liver toxicity. This is the
0: oral tablets, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: the oral yeah. tablets. Obviously, is, is dose-dependent, yeah. but that's only short-lived. So, mm. uh, obviously, you don't want lads staying on orals for too long. No. Um, the other thing about orals is they will shut your system down very quickly, yeah. and they do aromatize very quickly. So you do get a conversion to estrogen yeah. very what, quickly.
0: What I found is with with the injectables though, you'd have this consistent distribution into the body yeah. of the steroid. With that's, the orals, it's
1: pulsatile. Up and down, up it's and down. Pulsatile. So that's
0: when you're going to get the you people losing the temper and the ride rage and all yeah. this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah your you, you, uh, levels are elevating and, and depressing too much with orals. So yes, you've got a problem with the hepatotoxicity, but overall with steroids, one of the main factors, well, there's a few factors actually, danger factors, which people don't take into consideration because it's never taught. And it's probably never been realized, you see, through bro science, but the two biggest killers, and and I mean killers with Mm. steroids, long-term use of steroids, this is. One of them is something called homocysteine levels. And the other one is elevated hematocrit. Okay. So let me explain that.
0: I don't know what either of those are. So maybe okay. give us the full lowdown on them.
1: Right. Uh, so if you got, if you're a bodybuilder or not necessarily even a bodybuilder, if you're somebody that's just into physical culture and you wanted to develop your body, and of course one of the problems we get these days is young lads starting on it too early. Let me just offer a bit of advice, and yeah. and take this on board because I'll go through it and and carefully and then you can take this on board and you can act upon it so the first thing is homocysteine levels when a steroid breaks down in your body it converts to something called homocysteine now homocysteine levels have been direct or a direct precursor to arterial and atherosclerosis in in your arteries so they literally can directly cause arteriosclerosis in your arteries so that leads to cardiovascular problems Okay, and heart problems. Yeah. Added to that, the other biggest danger is high hematocrit. Now, what I mean by that is a high red blood cell count. So I don't know if you ever heard of um, the whole of the Belgian cycling team being killed off in one night by a doctor nope. a number of years ago. Nope. Check, check it out. hmm in that situation, he, he gave them, and this is another drug used by bodybuilders called erythropoietin. It's also used by cyclists yeah. to inc- increase their red blood cell count so they get increased oxygen dissociation to the tissues. Yeah. Trouble is, you can get a massive response. Your red blood cell count goes up so high that your blood thickens and then you cause uh, thrombosis and you, you can die. Yeah. And that's what happened to the whole of the cycling. I think,
0: so I think five
1: clot. people died in one night, I think, by the doctor wrongly administering erythropoietin. But it's also a danger with anabolic steroids as well, long-term. Yeah, Your hematocrit can slowly, slowly creep up and your blood can thicken. And you end up with a clot then, is that you can. thrombosis? Um, um, isn't that's it? thrombosis, yeah. yes. So when you read about bodybuilders dying, top professionals as well and amateurs. Yeah. One, I've seen guys on a British stand, stage, collapse and die a few days later through mm. coronary thrombosis. Yeah. And it's either through one of those two of those things or both of them combined.
0: Yeah. I, I know of a few big-name bodybuilders and strength athletes as well yeah. that have died you yeah. know, are very young, yeah. you know, and it's usually the heart.
1: It is. Now, you'll get away with it when you're younger, and you might get away with it for 10, 15, 20 years, but then it creeps up on you. Yeah. And if you don't do anything about it... Now, my biggest advice for somebody like that is obviously... Get blood tests done. Work with a doctor. Even if you're GP, get, get a private doctor to work with you or an endocrinologist who's a specialised doctor in the endocrine system. But don't do it on your own and get your blood tests done Can and you, keep an eye on it. If so you are, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and stop people taking steroids, but if you are going to do it, do it safely.
0: If somebody was going to take steroids, and, and like I was saying, we're not encouraging anybody to do that, but people are doing it. They are, yeah. Can you approach your doctor and say, "Look, I'm going to take steroids. Will you, will you help me? Will you do? It? Will your doctor not say, do 'Don't take them. I'm not helping you'?"
1: I think if you if you have a decent enough GP who treats the person and not the, you know, he will analyse you as a person, realise that you're going to do this, whether or not he tells you not to. Yeah. And that you might go on the black market or whatever, you know, which obviously I don't advocate. Never have done. Yeah. But that GP has a professional duty um, for the safety of, of his patient, and I think. Any decent GP would at least work with you and do the test and do the blood tests. Yeah. If you're
0: going to go down this route, monitoring what the effects it has on your body Mm. and if anything's getting out of hand or it's dangerous or having a negative effect on your system, you know about it straight away.
1: Now, from what you told me before, there's another uh, fallacy as well. Uh, You mentioned a drug called Clembutrol as being part of a PCT cycle. So when you come off a cycle using Clembutrol, that again is another fallacy. All clembutrol is is a bronchial dilator. So basically, if you were in Germany, they didn't they never used to administer it over here. But if you were an asthmatic in Germany, you might get clembutrol as an oral bronchial dilator to improve your breathing. As a secondary effect of, of clembutrol, it's been found to maintain muscle tissue—not really gain muscle tissue, but maintain muscle tissue. But as it's part of the adrenoceptor system, it also is a strong stimulant. And one of the stimulations is it will b- help to burn fat cells at, for energy. That's right. So it's a fat long. burner. Yeah, it was a fat yeah.
0: burner, not, the, yeah. not for switching the steroids. Yeah. Sorry, not for switching the testosterone production back on yeah. your body. It was yeah. like burning fat. I remember because I used to get really hot.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, what a lot of people turn to is something called HCG. Yeah. which you might have heard of, human yeah. chorionic gonadotrophin. Yeah. Now, if you take HCG, which originally is derived from pregnant woman's urine, uh, but HCG is a gonadotrophin, which means that it stimulates the testicles to produce testosterone. Yeah. But because it works way down the list on the what we call the testicular axis, you get a negative feedback system occurring. And if you just take HCG when you come off a course, it won't do anything for you. Right. Um, because it the, the negative feedback system will kick back in and a hole from the hypothalamus downwards it will not fire up, so you 're wasting your time really all you 're going to do is hold a lot of body water because it aromatizes as well so you 're going to produce a lot of body fluid a lot of water, and you 're not going to switch your testicular axis on no
0: see i 've taken that i 've taken th- what I told you the, what I listed was just to get the ball rolling. There's lots Hmm. of others. I can't even remember all the names of them.
1: Well, there's something called clomiphene as well, which uh, again, works a bit higher up the axis. axis. But even taking those two things is not enough to switch. If you've been on, say you've not been, even if you've been cycling and you've been cycling for a number of years.
0: Do you mean cycling on a bike or cycling steroids? No, if you've been cycling cycling steroids,
1: steroids, say three months on, two months off, three months off, whatever. And let's face it, like you said, a lot of people... Don't even cycle. As yeah. soon as they come off, no, they, don't they start like bit to when deteriorate. Come off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they'll jump back on again, and it, we used to call it steroid fever yeah. in those days, you know. Um, but you're not going to switch your cycle, your, your system back on no. in those three months you're off. It's, you need years off, yeah. literally. So if you've been on steroids for five years, say, you're going to need a year or two to to uh, to get the system fired back up again, and you need to see an endocrinologist ideally. So
0: Stuart, a couple of things we'll talk about. One is. When you take an oral steroid, initially people think, oh yeah, I put 12 pounds on in seven mm. days and that. You've not. What you've done is, it's water retention.
1: A lot of it, yeah. 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 Uh,
0: to actually put what they call, you know, lean muscle mass mm. on and real gains and all yeah. this take, takes a long time. Mm. And tamoxifen, which is one of the drugs I used to take, is mm. a, it's a cancer drug, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you know, that's it's, right. It's, it's yeah. how bizarre that that works in the way it does and bodybuilders mm. take it, but...
1: You know? Well, it's mainly an anti-estrogen. Yeah. Um, th- there is one. The thing is, it will it will just kill kill off the estrogen in your system. But you can also there is a better one that will block your receptor sites at the cellular level, and that's something called the Rimidex. Right. And that's also given to women mm. uh, for cancer and um, various things as an anti-estrogen as well. Um, so they do they do. In fact, that's that's something that is does help um, your health really. You know, similarly, like I would advise people to, uh, if they were taking a course of steroids, um, to always go on a form of aspirin, um, an enteric yeah. form of aspirin, which will help to thin the blood. Yeah. So just 75 yeah. milligrams a day, because that can be a lifesaver.
0: There's also, there's inherent dangers with, if you're taking steroids and then you're injecting steroids, injecting, you know, because... Yeah. I remember I learned because I watched a video on mm. YouTube. That's a, a mm. lot of people learn. And mm. when you're injecting, you get that wrong. You could have a serious problem. You, know?
1: you could do yeah. Obviously, the, the, the main thing is injecting air into an artery. That's yeah. that could be lethal. Yeah. But you know, one of the biggest dangers as well is because people, when they're injecting, they will not cite, uh, They will not cycle the sights round, or if they do, it's minimal. Yeah. So they find that, and they're injecting too much. Repetitively in the same site. Yeah. But you I think that can people... cause something called pyogenesis. Right. And um, people you probably heard of people getting abscesses yeah. from that and causing septicemia.
0: I know from experience that you'd have a favourite place you like to inject because if you inject in other parts of your mm. body, like for instance in your legs, that never went well for me. It was always mm. painful. Mm. But my bum was fine, you know. Yeah. But then if you get the wrong part of your bum, you know, on your, your the cheek, there's different you know, they divide it into four, and there's certain parts you're supposed well, to. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, if you if you wrongly place the injection, you can paralyze your leg.
0: Yeah. Mm. So it's not a good idea, really.
1: <laughs> it needs some expert advice, yeah. So this is the thing you see. I always advise people: if you are going to do it, and let's face it, you're not going to stop everyone doing it, seek medical advice either from a private doctor or somebody who will, who is, you know, maybe not advocating it, but will look after you, the health side of it. You know. Because we know that it's it's illegal to supply steroids, it's still not illegal to take them, and yeah. so you'll always get people somehow getting all of these things, and and taking them. It's yeah. you, you know you can't sweep it under the carpet. I think that's the problem. You know you know with the IOC and that you know all these rigid. You know every every year the, the list of drugs banned goes longer and longer, yeah. such that now even bronchial. Uh, um, Cough medicines uh, containing things that you can, can ban yeah. you. You know, it's getting a bit ridiculous now. In a bit, they'll be saying, oh, too much vitamin C, you can't. Now, every, everything in that can be classed as a to a degree, could be classed as an eugenic aid, you know. Where do you draw the line? But what happens is you get, it, get, things get swept under the carpet. I think they're better off out in the open and at least people can be monitored and, um, you know, these things can be looked at.
0: I say this with... With recreational drug use, now, again, not encouraging anybody to do that, I talk openly about the fact that in my life I've taken a lot of drugs, I, I have. and But the thing is, you're not a criminal. If you put something in your body, you, it might be foolish, it might be very mm. bad for you, but you're not a criminal. Mm. You're not hurting somebody else, you might be making some bad decisions, but you're not a criminal. What you need is education, you need to be open and we need to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. You know, that's that's how we progress.
1: I mean, no, I mean um partly because of my beliefs and that I don't believe in in uh, in putting drugs into the body that aren't part of your natural constitution. Uh, your constitution, yeah. yeah. So I, I believe in and and again I'm I'm looking at in my book, especially at bodybuilding and weight training for the over fifties. Yeah. So I'm looking at weight training resistance training, at all the health benefits. Yeah. As you're growing older how to turn the clock back, how mm. to slow down the aging process. We know we're not going to win the, the war, but we can, we can win a few battles along the way.
0: As we get older, we lose a lot of the muscle. You know, when people yeah. diet and lose weight, mm. they might lose fat, but you lose muscle as well and you want to keep that yeah, muscle.
1: Absolutely. So yeah. then what I've been trying to help people with, and this is another thing that's swept under the carpet, there's a condition, obviously everybody's heard of menopause for women, mm. but how many people have heard of andropause for men? And how often is it treated or how well is it treated? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not treated at all. And the NHS doesn't even recognise it. No. Well, it's only when you push people down that route to, you know, search out an endocrinologist so or somebody who can help them with that if they're having problems.
0: A lot of men as well won't want to be diagnosed with that. They'll say, what, you, what are you talking about? You that's know, right.
1: This, this macho nonsense. Exactly, yeah. You know. And that's why a lot of men don't seek help with GPs, do they? Yeah. Uh, But even when they do, I've found they'll seek help with the GPs, and the GPs will get they'll brush them off, and they'll just treat them symptomatically. So if they've got erectile dysfunction, they'll give them Viagra. If they've got depression, they'll give them antidepressants, and more or less said, take these and don't miss a daft." You know, not
0: not getting to the root of the problem. Not getting
1: to the root of the problem, just treating things symptomatically.
0: The book, Stuart. The title of the show: The Truth About Bodybuilding. So you'll know now. I recently had Lawrence Bell on the show, and. Lawrence a good friend of mine. He's written four books now. I've written a book. I've written the second book. And it's it's a bit of a minefield when you start off, isn't it? And oh, you, absolutely. You don't know where to go, no. who to turn to. Yeah. Do you go with a mainstream publisher? Do you do it on your own and keep more of the profits? But then yeah. your, your distribution is limited. Yeah. Which retailers deal with which publishers, printers, wholesalers? It's yeah. it's tough, isn't it? You think it's you've written a book
1: and you think, it's right, I've no, yeah, no, no, that's that's not even 50% of it. No, you know. it's not. No, no you're right. And, he, and you've got to do a lot of self-promotion, haven't you, really? And uh, yeah. And basically, I, I really want to put the message out there. Uh, I, I really want to sort through the wheat from the chaff, you know, because people go on YouTube and they go on the internet and they're looking at all these so-called gurus uh, postulating all this theory and that theory. And a lot of it's not based on scientific facts. So that's why I've caught... I've called it the truth about bodybuilding: a scientific approach, because there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of reviewing going on with this book, and it took me. If you look at the the last section of the book, which is all the references, it's a nightmare, isn't it? It's massive.
0: Chapter two in my book is yeah. all I have to reference everything. That's it. That chapter took me three times longer than any of the chapters. Absolutely, but it's got to be right. It's got to be right. Yeah. And
1: I, I mean, I mean, for instance, there's one particular subject on. Um, what sort of drink you take post-workout? What's the best sort of drink? And I literally read 80 articles on that one subject because there was such a disparity of, uh, you know, yeah. uh, belief, you know, which what, was it beneficial, was it not? And I had to take a consensus of opinion in the end. And I think in the end, about 60, 60 out of the 80 articles said that this particular drink was the best to take, you know. Well,
0: I thought you said 18,
1: 80. 80. 80. No, I read 80 oh. articles just on that one subject.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know I know referencing. I make some bold statements in the book in chapter 2. Now they're all fact, mm. but I have to make sure that I can verify them yeah. and Yeah. it's all got to be bang on, it's got to be correct, they've got to yeah. be sourced and
1: Yeah.
0: I'd learnt a lesson. I won't be doing that again in a hurry because that no. part I didn't enjoy it as much That's as right. the actual the rest of yeah, the book, yeah.
1: you know. I mean putting the word scientific on the front of your book opens a whole can of worms up. Mm. You know, but it had to be, like you say, it had to be right. I, it couldn't be just my opinion, but in a way, a lot of the things that I do now, are back backed them all up anyhow scientifically. Otherwise I wouldn't give them to patients or clients, yeah. you know, so it has to work. It has to be yeah. proven to work. So Stuart, now a bit of the fun stuff, right? Some of your hobbies
0: and we we'll, Riding coasters that just evolved in the last 20 minutes. That's not even in your show notes. But-
1: I blame my dad for that one. Uh, when I was, I think I was only about six years old, you know. I remember because on the picture, on the Big Dipper at Blackpool, I've got my hands up like this and yeah. you can barely see my head above the rail, you know. Yeah. And I rode the Big Dipper for the first time. And I thought it was fantastic. And I wanted to go on again and again and again. And my dad got sick of it, you know. So every time we got to Black- went to Blackpool, it was Blackpool Pleasure Beach, Blackpool Pleasure Beach. So much so that this is one thing I do regret. Uh, have you heard of a place called Bellevue? Yes. Bellevue, when I was younger, in the 60s and the 70s, was a mecca for, they had a great, theme park, amusement park.
0: You mean like Manchester Bellevue? The, Manchester the, Bellevue. Where they had the dog track? Yeah, they had yeah, the yeah. dog
1: track, but they also had a fantastic fun fair. It was an amusement. They had dance halls, everything there. Yeah. And it was a place you went to, you know. Now, I'd, once I'd discovered Blackpool, there was no stopping me. It was Blackpool all the time. So when my dad gave me an option one Saturday, do you want to go to Blackpool? Or do you want to go to Bellevue? It's Blackpool, Blackpool, Blackpool. If I'd have gone to Bellevue, I'd have ridden the Bellevue Bob's. And the year after, that was 1970, they were torn down.
0: Oh no! So I lost.
1: So now, when I look back as a roller coaster enthusiast, I'm thinking, why didn't I make that choice? Yeah. And go to Bellevue and ride the bobs. And you've got a friend, Stuart, who's
0: also involved with roller coasters. Is that right?
1: Yeah, funny enough. Um, yeah, he's called John Wardley. And um he's a lovely lovely fellow. We've been friends for donkeys years and it all started because I was a member of the roller coaster club of Great Britain. It's a little bit geeky A little though. bit it geeky, it is. <laughs> we were all geeks, you know. <laughs> yeah. I I don't mind admitted I'm a geek that way, you know. Um I'm not a complete Anarite though. I don't have no. all the badges like, you know. <laughs> <No>. but, uh, <laughs> but a little bit of a geek, yeah. yeah. And but on the um description of each of the members, I think he'd sinned and I was a bodybuilding. Champion, you know, yeah. and he and he got into bodybuilding as later on in life in his forties, and he was trying to do a local show. So he rang me up. Well, speaking to the the great John Wardley, designer of Nemesis and all these rides at uh, uh, Alton Towers, you know, yeah. he was an honour to. He invited me down, and so um, I stayed the weekend, I think, or a day or so. And he took me to his gym, and I showed him a program, and I put him on a diet and everything. And you know, he won his he won his first show. Hi. And, oh, and so it's fantastic, you know. He's going, yeah. yeah. So now he comes up to my. He's actually moved from Wales now up to uh, Warrington West, and uh, so he um, he, he, uh, he calls in at my gym now, and, and we're still training, and we're still have a chat. He's, he's semi-retired now, but he was a fantastic designer of roller coasters. So that was an honour to
0: yeah
1: to uh, to to mix with John and be a good mate of his.
0: Have you been <coughs> some on some of the big rides in America? Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: all over. Yeah, I've got. I think my tally at the moment is. I think about 650 different roller coasters all around the world. Yeah.
0: So you're still a big kid, really? Oh, I'm do you? big kid. I love them. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love them. Yeah. The yeah. only thing I don't like is the overhead restraints. I feel really claustrophobic because I got yeah. trapped in one. Right. In fact, when I was at the Olympia in 1995 in in Atlanta. Well, that's because you were too big for the ride, probably. No, <laughs> no. The, it got. I thought I were locked in, and I were big. Yeah, but the train got trapped halfway around, oh. half upside down. In Atlanta, heat. It was about 100 degrees and humid. How long were you upside down for? I think it was about three quarters of an hour stuck there oh, until just, they winched us round the. You're at you didn't A brain damage. You oh, it was horrible. It was everything. horrible, and that's yeah. that gave me claustrophobia. Yeah. And I've been ever since 1995. I've been battling claustrophobia. It oh. just shows you how the mind works, and I have yeah. to really, you know, be strong mentally to overcome being um, being locked in a room or whatever, you yeah. know, for yeah. any length of time.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a good example of how the mind oh, yeah. can control you, yeah. you know, and either it, it can yeah. be debilitating, it can stop you yeah. doing things. And it, it sometimes yeah. the only thing stopping anybody succeeding or following a certain path is their yeah. own
1: thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, big, that's a big, a big lesson. Yeah. yeah. Tornadoes. All right. Tornado chasing. Yeah. I've been doing that for about 13 years now, I think. 13 years we've been going so that's not a one
0: off you've been back and forth no I've been
1: back and forth and now now we run our own little um, our own little unit now uh, there's only four of us now when I first started off there was 18 in a group and it was led by some meteorological guy that knew about storm chasing and then we gradually whittled it down to six of us and we used to have a guy um, called Peter Wharton from uh, New Zealand he was a very knowledgeable guy and uh, we kind of learnt from him and um, and I've been on about half a dozen different courses uh, since then. But I, each year I have to brush up on my knowledge and yeah. I'm only a novice at it, but I've, you, you kind of learn enough to know what you're doing in the field. Otherwise it would be unsafe, you know.
0: I've seen a few movies and they call them storm chasers, yeah. you know, and they'll have a van yeah. with some weather equipment in there. That's right, know, yeah. A, yeah, a computer, yeah. a laptop maybe. Two yeah. or three of them in there driving around frantically trying to get in the middle of a storm or a tornado. Is that... Well, yeah,
1: you don't, well, I mean, there there was a group called, um, uh, it's called the TIV, the Tornado Intercept Vehicle, and their main aim was to get into a tornado, but did you notice how it was like an armoured tank and it had these clamps that come down and locked it into the ground? But even then, they will admit now, I'm sure the guy that used to run that expedition now would admit that they were playing with fire. Because even with an armoured tank, I mean, if you get in the middle of a tornado and if it's anything above the categorised F0 to F5, if it's anything like above an F3 or above, the wind peak can be over 200, sometimes 300 miles an hour.
0: It could pick you up. It,
1: yeah, it, it could, <clears throat> I mean, or it could, I mean, you can imagine it could pick up a railway carriage and smash that into you. Yeah. So you could be crushed by um, debris. Yeah. So they they realise now that they want so they don't try and intercept anything that's any decent size you know, no. so we don't so we obviously we're just in an SUV a glorified SUV and you just with radar the, and everything we watch them from a distance yeah. and we stay still must like, be um, oh, phenomenal yeah. to see it's still phenomenal
0: and it reminds you how, how significant we are because oh I, yeah I've seen I've only seen a couple of what. Um, yeah, vortexes in the sea kind of thing yeah. these kind of yeah. small tornadoes water spout on the yeah. sea it's a tornado on the sea yeah Yeah, and still you look at that and you think whoa yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess with nature
1: well the thing about a tornadoes and a lot of people don't realise this that they're, they're a lot different than a hurricane or a cyclone yeah um, they're formed from a single um, usually a, a single thunderstorm it can be a bank of thunderstorms it's what we call a supercell and the, the special thunderstorms over there that are very unique to the area really yeah uh, so you've got the warmer rising from the Gulf of Mexico mixing with cold air coming down from the Rockies, and then the jet stream as well, and it's like a cold effect. So you get vortices in the atmosphere, and the thunderstorms there, the supercells rotate, so you can have a massive 50-mile diameter thunderstorm that's yeah. rotating. And once it starts rotating, then if it produces a tornado, it could produce a tornado, you know. And they're the the most powerful thunderstorms in the world. And the vortex that's produced from that can be catastrophic. I mean, an F5, I mean, wind speeds have been measured over 320 miles an hour in, in an F5. So yeah. you can imagine a 300-mile-an-hour wind is not three times stronger than a 100-mile-an-hour wind. It's nine times stronger. It goes up exponentially, right. force per unit area. So you can imagine a 100-mile-an-hour wind in this country, we very rarely get it to it. And when yeah. we do get it, it does tremendous yeah. damage, you know, yeah. t- trees down and everything. So you imagine a 300-mile-an-hour wind, it just destroys everything in its path, won't yeah, it? Yeah, it sweeps a brick house off the foundations. Yeah, and and it, we've I've, I've seen pieces of wood driven through cars. I've pieces piece of wood driven through metal lampposts. Even, right? It's that freaky. Yeah, some of the things that happen in a, in a, in a tornado. And you can have,
0: what well, you know, uh, maybe not, I don't know if it's in a tornado or it's actually in a hurricane, but you, you have the eye of the storm, don't you? With yeah, this... you
1: still get the eye in the tornado. Yeah,
0: so you have a, a point in the centre where yeah, it's it will still, be completely yeah, still.
1: Absolutely, yeah. But
0: you can't get out of it without you going through out of it. it. Exactly,
1: yeah. So, it, I mean, the eye of a hurricane, obviously, is a, an area of calm. With a hurricane, it's not as intense. And some chasers do try and get in the eye of a hurricane. I wouldn't recommend that, but... Yeah. Definitely not a tornado. I mean, if you've got an F5 tornado that might be half a mile in width, the eye is only going to be maybe 50 yards, 100 yards in diameter. Yeah. So you, you don't want to be in that because you, the rest of it's got to come over you, like you say. And if you're not in a tornado cellar, you know, underground, yeah. you're going to get blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The worst place, place <laughs> to be, by the way, is in your car. So if you if you are travelling in America and you get tornado warned, your car up and get out the car and find a ditch, or if like that, ideally, find an interior room with more, more walls surrounding you, or underground is best. I suppose you've
0: got, as a human being, you've got less surface area on <coughs> the side of a car or something, mm. so it, you know it might throw you about, but a car's going up, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, you don't yeah. want to be standing upright, obviously. You've got to get if you, if there's nowhere else to go, the best place to, to, to lie would be in a ditch, yeah, and not near a car because it could be thrown on you as far away from a car as you can, from the road as you can, in a ditch, put your hands over your head and lie down and create as much, no air underneath you whatsoever. Yeah. But even then, I mean, it depends on the strength of the tornado, you know, you don't want to be in that situation. But it can create a vacuum
0: above you and still lift you. Could suck you up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the most unlikely part of the show for me is that... uh, Stuart Cosgrove, author, fourth in Mr. Universe, roller coaster rider, but also releasing four albums and playing instrumental guitar. I think that's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, You'd think your fingers would be small enough to play guitar. No, you're right.
1: I have to work on it. Mm. (laughs) It's one of them things that doesn't come naturally. I mean, I've always been, I've always had an ear for music and an ear for melody. I used to play the piano when I was a young kid. And my parents will tell you that I was always kind of had a musical ear. But I used to have to work at it, and and the same with the guitar. If I put it down for a couple of weeks and then pick it up, I'm I'm very rusty. But yeah. but I just love it so much that I play. I try to play it almost every day, um and I just love it. It's just uh it's my chill. It's, yeah. I just, it makes me chill out. It's have you had lessons, or did you just teach? No, yourself no, and... no I've not. I've had I've had a couple. Of, there was a guitarist friend of my dad's that showed me a couple of things, but I've never had any formal lessons, and I've just I taught yeah. myself from piano. And then just, I listen by ear. I pick, I pick things up by ear. So even though I can read music for piano very, very slowly, I, I can't read it for, for guitar. Is it electric or
0: acoustic? I've got both, but I'm p- predominantly electric. Right. <coughs> so these albums, you can buy these albums?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a place called, it's called Leo's Den. So it's Leo's as in Leo the Lion. Yeah. Leo's Den Music Directs. And they, uh, they just supply instrumental guitar music. Right. And they've fortunately took, took me on board and, and they're, they're selling my albums, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah, so I don't sell very many. Obviously, I'm not, you know, inclination, <laughs> but it's nice when I, I think I've got about eight fans, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's and, uh, right. and they contact me every now and then and yeah. they say, how did you do that? Hey, how did you do that? You've got you know? fans though, Stuart. <laughs> I've got some fans, yeah, yeah. And I've put a few things on YouTube. I've put some uh, videos on YouTube just for guitarists to see how you do certain things, you know. Because uh, I watch other guitarists on YouTube, and I'm I'm in awe of them, you know, and uh, and I, you know, it, it's just nice to. It, I just find it a lovely pastime, you know.
0: All you have really left now for you to do is develop the patent for a a cold fusion engine and you, you can call it a day then, can't you? There's not there's not much left you can do, is there, really? I mean, it's I've had th- people who come on with a, maybe a few strings to the ball, but you really have got all sorts well, going on. Well
1: I must stress, Patrick, and we've spoken about this before. I think I consider myself to be limited in talent, but I think what I've if I've got some kind of talent at all, it's it's been able to do a lot of work with 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 a little, you know. Mm. So it's, you're trying to make that, turn that little kind of yeah. um, molehill into a mountain and, and it's hard work. And I think you've just got to have the aptitude to do yeah. that.
0: If you, if you can put your mind in the right place
1: and yeah. you've got the enthusiasm to power it. That's it, enthusiasm. You can get quite far, can't you? you enthusiasm is a thing. I think yeah. the thing with me is I'll find something I love and I throw my heart and soul into it. Yeah. And, and so what little talents I've got, can go maybe a little bit further than it would have done if I hadn't have had the enthusiasm. Yeah.
0: Well, you must have some talent, Stuart, because you've excelled <laughs> in several areas, but I, I'm, I'm in awe anyway. It's amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. th- thank you for that. But, I'd, yeah. I, you know, if I can inspire people, that's the main thing. I don't want to put myself on a pedestal by any means. But if I can just inspire people to put forth the effort, yeah. like we spoke about before yeah. and like you've done as well, yeah, I think good. it inspires good. people, doesn't it? Good.
0: In your notes, Stuart, I read that you're quite interested in looking after people that, as you get a bit older, and then the correct training, which I think you mentioned resistance training and other things, yeah. to keep that muscle that you've got yeah. and maintain your, you know, your movement, your health, etc. Yeah, Cause yeah. You've had a double hip replacement, haven't you?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't
0: know that coming in because you, you seem to walk fine. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm back into the training now, and I'm squatting again, and I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just again trying to apply some of my admonition to myself, you know. Yeah. Um, so really, my hips. A lot of people will probably think, well, it's probably all that squatting that causes hips. In actual fact, it was a physio that that did the most damage, and that might seem weird. Yeah. But a lot of my physio patients are great big power lifters and bodybuilders and you need to exert a lot of force to manipulate their spines. And the jerkiness of all that manipulation over 35 years yeah. has t- took its toll on my hips. And my surgeon actually, once he realized and once I showed him videos of what I do, he agreed that yeah. yeah, you know that's done the most damage. Obviously, your you weight training have had to do something, but don't forget, we're not like Olympic lifters, where when they lift, they lift ballistically, so it's a real jar on the joints. When we lift, we, we lift slow and systematically, you know, yeah. or you should do. I mean, you do see a lot of bodybuilders cheating and bouncing the weights, and there again, that will do will cause joint damage. Yeah. But if you lift slowly and controlled. You're going to do a lot less damage to your joints. And
0: again, the weight comes down when you're doing the correct movement in it a does, slow, it controlled manner. You don't yeah. need you don't need as much weight. You don't you? need as much.
1: You're still lifting maximally yeah. and create as much tension as you can in the muscle. But obviously, the sheer fact that you're moving it slower, yeah. you have to lessen the weight.
0: So you're using your muscle all the way through. All that the way through, rather yeah. than
1: using momentum. Exactly. Yeah. Don't use momentum. Kill mm. momentum. And it's all to do with time under tension. So in the book, I go through three principles. Mm-hmm. three different ways of training your muscle, and especially as you get older, it's important, like we spoke of before, yeah. even for the younger athlete, to cycle the training yeah. so they're not going heavy, heavy all the time. Yeah. So the heavy style of training I call glycolytic because it works a particular type of white fibre which grows and gets stronger, and then the other type of training is slow eccentric or negative training. Yeah. The third principle is oxidative. So, so, So basically if you look at muscle fibers if we split the muscle into just for sim- simplicity into white muscle fibers and red muscle fibers the red muscle fibers are more endurance fibers yeah so they're more oxidative and they will last a long time so your your marathon runners your your crossfitters your any endurance event you'll be predominantly using red muscle fiber yeah the bodybuilders 're only under tension for a short time they and and the white fibers are in use they're the ones that grow the red fibers don't grow much right there's a type of fiber in between called fast twitch oxidative which still grows but needs a little bit longer time under tension but still only about a minute so we're splitting the training into three different types of training you, each one is relative to each one's working yeah the um the glycolytic fibers the fast Twitch fibres, that's your heavy training. Yeah. The eccentric will work, fast twitch and oxidative, and then we've got an oxidative training, which lasts, each set lasts about a minute. So instead of counting your reps, you could actually just check your time. Mm. So your time exposed to tension. Mm. So with the, um, the glycolytic training, it's 30 seconds maximum, no longer than 30 seconds. You expo- So basically you, cr- you create as much tension as you can for 30 seconds and then you rest. Yeah. With the slow negative training, each repetition lasts 10 seconds. So you, you see it's about three seconds to come up and seven seconds to go down yeah. with a pause in between. So about 10 seconds a rep, no more than six reps because you don't want that tension lasting for longer than a minute. Right. With your oxidative, you're going to do a minute under tension, but faster reps. So it might right. be 12 repetitions.
0: And that's really maybe far, far less weight. But what you're doing is you're getting the blood <clears> pumping out you as well.
1: You are, yeah, on the oxidative one, yeah. You will pump up. but it's amazing, you know. I mean, I train um, some guys now in the 50s and it's amazing what pump they get with just one set, glycolytically, so maximum tension for 30 seconds. Yep. So they do the warmups prior to their one working set and then they'll come and say, I can't believe the pump I've got there. But to some bodybuilders, the pump is the BNR and end all. It's yeah. not. Yeah. All's the pump, when you analyse the pump, it's just the muscle engorged with blood because it's drawing on more blood to supply it with oxygen. and But it's not the be-on-end-all. It's about the exposure to tension, which is the stimulant to metamorphosis. Now
0: we're mentioning sort of older people training, uh, I'm going to throw in uh, Tahir's name, yeah, <laughs> Tahir yeah. Khan. Now, Tahir is a good friend of mine. He had the eighty twenty cafe up there with Mina, his yeah, wife. Yeah. And I taught meditation there and upstairs there, I think I was the only person ever to completely fill it. And we had a class he of said that, yeah. a class of seventy people upstairs meditating, which is a lot for meditation. Mm. But yeah, Tahir won't mind us mentioning that uh you know, he's in his fifties now. Mm. And he's he's training and he's he's changed the shape of his body with mm. you train with him now, don't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Over over the last couple of years that I've known him, he's changed mm. the shape of his body. He's got a lot bigger. He's, he's looking really hench now. He's looking good, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah,
1: so. yeah, yeah yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's benefiting from uh, these new te- techniques, new to him anyhow. Yeah. So and it, Because the, re- the reason is, uh, another reason is, um, um, he suffered a lot of injuries. So we're trying to train him and get the most out of his muscles without injuring him or re-injuring, uh, you know, some old injuries. And that's important for the people in the 50s Uh, to train to maximum intensity, but without injuring themselves.
0: When I cycled different muscle groups, I'd make it so that there was always an odd number so they didn't fit into the days of the week, so I wasn't always doing legs on a Monday, this kind of thing. But as you're doing that, you might be training your arms, but the posture of the rest of your body, the alignment and how you stood and your centre of gravity is massively important. So especially with things like where you're using big muscle groups and heavier weights like squats Mm. and deadlifts and things like this, your posture, Mm. so not just the exercise and not just the muscle you're training, but the rest of your body and the position you're in is crucial, isn't it, to not getting
1: injured. You're absolutely right, yeah. But what happens then is you've got to separate the two. So rather than incorporating them for bodybuilding purposes, yeah. separate the two because a lot of energy, like you say, goes into maintaining that good posture. And it can detract from focusing on the prime movers. Right. So it's all right if you've say all you've got in your garage is is a is a, a curling bar and and nothing else, then obviously you've got to do standing up curls, haven't you? Yeah. So that's exactly what you said. You would have to incorporate your posture. Your posture's got to be good. Mm in order to try and activate those primers. But if you're in a situation where you've got really good machinery in the gym that or, isolates you do, your muscle.
0: You do that curl where you put then, your arm on the inside of your leg and you lean that's over That's it. Right. So you, yeah, you, you could do, you, you could or you could do that, that if you've got a bench. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So yeah. you
1: would do that instead rather than stand up and curl. Yeah. So, in, so the point I'm trying to make is you don't want to be expending energy on a lot of postural muscle work when you're trying to focus on the prime mover. So I always say take balance out the equation. Now, right. if so, if you were training a person because they got back posture, bad posture, then you would work on the posture, but you'd do it separately. So yeah. they do all the postural muscles separately. If you were training them on bodybuilding, then you would try and isolate that muscle group, eliminate balance, yeah, that the, or the need for for that postural tension, and just focus on the prime mover. Brilliant.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I it makes complete sense now that. Yeah, yeah. So, Stuart, your physio practice now,
1: yeah. where is it? Um, it's in um, Church Street in West Orton. So it's, it's behind the cost cutter. As you go down uh, Church Street, you go past the um, garden centre and it's just a few hundred yards past the, on the left-hand side as you're going down behind right. the cost cutter. So and
0: you've got a, is, it, is there like a, what do you call it, a rehab
1: gym or something? We've there? got There's a rehab gym, upstairs. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah. and we've got the physio clinic upstairs. Downstairs, sorry. I don't run the gym as a commercial venture. It's just connected to the physio. So the physio then will send the rehab people on gym programs upstairs yeah.
0: so you've come in right this is my problem well you need to do xyz you're gonna to have to do these exercises we'll come yeah. up and we'll, we'll run we'll you come through upstairs and yeah. we'll do the yeah that's got right it. yeah i've done a lot of rubber band stuff in the time yeah. as well yeah you
1: know. we've got all that up there we've, got yeah. t- we've not got actually got trx but equivalents you know yeah and then all the machinery all the dumbbells the free weights everything upstairs
0: and do you also look at Diet, nutrition, is we it all the other elements. We share? do,
1: yeah, yeah, that combination. So what I'll do is I'll, um if I mean, what 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 often you get is you get a patient who's got an injury and you get the injury right, and they said to me, do you know, I need to know the right way to do do my training and do me. So then we'll take him on a program in the gym upstairs and we'll teach him in our gym that they can then take to their gym. Yeah. Allied to that, they'll usually say to me, but I want to tone up and I want to do this, and we yeah. said to him, well. We need to have a look at your diet as well, your lifestyle, your supplementation, all those things that need to be incorporated. So if they're asking us for lifestyle benefits and you know uh, body conditioning benefits, then we have to incorporate that into the mix. Yeah. So you're not just a physio. There's well, lots
0: of other elements to what i must,
1: doing. I must say that I have no formal qualifications in nutrition. It's all what I've learned and researched. Mm. I mean, a lot of it's in the book because I'm talking about you know, bodybuilding training, but it can also be applied for health reasons for the older person as well. You know, yeah. because a lot of a lot of older people need to make sure that they're taking the right antioxidants, new, micronutrients, as well yeah. as the right macros. You know,
0: if somebody comes to see you, you you look at them holistically almost. Oh you yeah, look yeah, at the, the Absolutely, whole person. Yeah. You know, yeah. not just the muscle.
1: Yeah, yeah, because the thing is, part of getting to know the patient, and we are, we we prime ourselves on treating the patient as an individual. You know, I always say to my physios um, no matter how many times you see a me- me- mechanical back problem which you treat loads, never treat the patient as, you know, as, as, as a set of symptoms or a diagnosis. It's the empirical view you're looking at, yeah. you're looking at the patients as a whole. And very often what comes it was you get to know the patient and you get to know the lifestyle choices and everything. You can guide them around a better path, which will eliminate the need for physio in the future or lessen the need for physio. Yeah. And improve the strength, the coordination, the, the flexibility, the posture, like you mentioned before. All those things are in the mix.
0: If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Stuart, and have a chat with you, and maybe come to your clinic, how do they get in touch with you? Maybe give us your website address.
1: So the website is www.cosgrovephysiocentre.co.uk. If somebody wants to buy your book, that's available on Amazon. Amazon, yeah, yeah. yeah. The
0: Truth About Bodybuilding, A Scientific Approach by Stuart Cosgrove. Thank you very, very much for coming to Midnight Towers, to the studio and doing this show with me. It's been very informative. I love the fact that we've had a a nice, honest chat and I can talk about things that I've done, you know, that I'm I'm not ashamed of. It's part of my journey. I've done those things. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Me too. And thanks for inviting me. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you.
0: OK, folks, this has been the Midnight McBride show, show number 29 with Stuart Cosgrove, author and champion bodybuilder. I'm now going to leave you with a quote from the book From Pills to Peace. And this quote's by me, Midnight McBride, and it's the prisons we are living are constructed by the mind. Quite often in life, it's your thoughts that stop you doing things that can be debilitating. The only thing stopping you from achieving your goals is you. It's your thoughts. The prisons we all live in are constructed by the mind. So you can listen to this show twice a week now. It comes out every Sunday and every Thursday on the YouTube channel. And you can subscribe to this channel so you'll get the shows automatically. This show then also comes out as an audio podcast on iTunes, on Spotify and Podbean and also on some other platforms. You can catch me on the radio every Monday night from 11 till midnight, the Mind, Body and Spirit show with Midnight McBride. You can also go to the website, midnightmcbride.com, and you can catch me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Okay, have a nice week and see you soon. Shalom.